The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Oh boy, do I got a show for you today. This is just a cornucopia of information coming out like a, a fire hose trying to drink from it. Can't get ahead of the news cycle, but that's okay, because I enjoy doing this. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm doing well, thinking about drinking out of a fire hose and getting my cheeks blown off, you know? It's yeah, like, Whoa. You will. You will. It's going, you know, I got bit in the cheek when I was, did you know did that, you? when I was younger? Yeah, I was in a <laughs> fight with a guy named Tony, and uh, we, we we fell off a porch, or as we used to call it in New York, the stoop, and we hit the concrete, uh, and, and he was... Yeah, Stoop. and he bit yeah. me in the cheek. And if you ever see me in public, if you look on the left side of my face, right near my, I have like a Joker <laughs> line, like like uh, like the Joker who has the cut yeah. lines. Yeah. Look, you can see it if you can get around. If you get up and close and personal enough, you can see I have a big scar. That's the guy's lower joint bit right through my now, cheek. You know, you're going to be somewhere, and you're going to see somebody creeping around. You're not yeah, seeing anything. It's on you my go, left. So you can't miss it when you see it. You can see the teeth marks and the lower fangs. It's really disgusting. All right, um, All I right. got a lot to get to today, including a bomb. Bombshell piece by Victor Davis Hanson, but not bombshell in the information um, revelation kind of uh, uh, way. Bombshell in that it is so good and it gets so deep into why the left will just like just the limitlessness of their derangement behavior. It's so good and why they're there. And I want to get into that and and tie it to what's going on in the case because there was another cool piece by Byron York yesterday about. Piece of information we may all be missing. So interesting stuff. All right, today's show brought to you by Keepsake. We love Keepsake. My wife just um, spent a good amount of money with Keepsake. We all have great photos on our phones. That's the problem. They're all stuck in your phones, right? Birthdays, graduations, weddings. But what happens to most of them? For most of us, even the best photos never make it off our phones. And let's be honest, some photos deserve more than a Facebook post or an email. We have some really good ones on ours. Some photos should be where we can see them every day, the way you can enjoy them and make you know you make you feel good. You see pictures of your kids, your your wife. We've got some great shots there. Keepsake Frames is the easy way to frame photos from your phone in seconds, whether you're doing some home decorating or looking for a thoughtful personal gift. It's easy. Super easy. Just download the Keepsake Frames app. Upload a photo, choose a frame, done. Bingo, there you go. Every Keepsake Frame is handmade in the USA from high-quality materials. They even have canvas options because Keepsake Frames are shipped direct from their studio. Prices start at just 25 bucks, just $25, and shipping is always free. Keepsake Frames brings your digital photos to life without the time or cost of going to a frame shop. You know that can get expensive. You ever been there? Like, how much you frame this picture? $42,000. Okay, Whoa. thanks. Have a nice day. Not a keepsake. Start as low as $25. You can even see a detailed preview of the final product before you buy. Keepsake Frames has framed hundreds of thousands of smartphone photos, but the one that matters most is the one you're going to order. Order. Create a custom frame print right now in under 30 seconds. Now, through August 12th, they're offering an incredible deal for our listeners. 30% off. 30%. Not three. 30. 30% off your first order when you use promo code Dan. Download the Keepsake Frames app and get 30% off plus free shipping when you use promo code Dan. D-A-N. That's an incredible 30% off with the Keepsake Frames app. Promo code Dan. You'll love it. This is really cool. My wife just did a did a nice order from them. We, you know, they're great on your phone, the pictures. But you got to get them live. Get them in real life. You can see them all the time. Okay. Victor Davis Hanson. Peace will be in the show notes. It is one of those 
Please reads. I can't tell you a must read. I'm not here to give orders. I am a uh, big believer in liberty and your liberty too. You do what you want. But in the show notes today at Bongino.com, if you subscribe to my email list, which we would deeply appreciate, we will email these articles to you. There is a piece by Victor Davis Hanson that talks about the meltdown of the left. And there's a genuine concern expressed in the piece by a guy, by the way, uh, Joe, who is a very sober analyst, Victor Davis Hanson. If you've seen him on Fox, he's mm. not a hysterical commentator. Um, he's a very level-headed, down-to-earth guy. Um, he's a respected cable news voice, and he is genuinely concerned about the rage and psychopathy on the left and concerned about, is is there a limit here? Joe, a serious question. I, I think you and I have both addressed both on and off the air. Joe and I are friends. Yep. Um, is there a limit to their behavior? If you're willing to talk about the president in terms of treason, the penalty for treason, by the way, is death. If you're willing to engage in comedy, and believe me, I'm using the word comedy loosely, where the president is decapitated. There was a New Yorker cover of him being killed by an escalator. Um, if you're willing to do this, is there any real limit to your behavior? We've seen attacks, physical attacks, multiple, multiple times, physical attacks on people for just wearing Make America Great Again hats. Mm-hmm. What is the limit point? What is that choke point for your behavior? And, and Davis Hansen's like, I don't really know. The fact that we can't answer that question is disturbing. Now, yep. I got a packed show for you on this. Here's what he says. I tried to sum up this fantastic piece into three takeaway bullet points um, to save you time. If you can't read it and you just want to know uh, the takeaways. Now, to be clear, what he's trying to explain away here is why the the left has always been, the radical left has always been a bit deranged. We know they've had a love affair with violence. Mm-hmm. But why now, Joe, is it even creeping into mainstream Democrat politics where people are losing their minds? So he has three basic explanations. And number one, the left in this election, folks, did not just lose the presidency. They didn't. They lost everything. They lost their plan to solidify the Obama agenda, Obamacare, the tax heights, the regulatory regime. They lost everything. They've lost the House of Representatives during the Obama years. They've lost the U.S. Senate. They're now losing their control over the courts. They're losing their control over the Supreme Court. They've lost control over governorships, even in uh, blue states. Joe lives in Maryland. Ooh. Deep blue Maryland. The governor there is a Republican. The governor of deep blue Massachusetts is a Republican. The governor of Chicago, excuse me, Chicago, the governor of Illinois, the mayor of Chicago is a Democrat. The governor of Illinois is a, is a Republican. They lost everything in this election. They lost everything over the eight years of Obama. They had hoped in this election, all of those cumulative losses, this is important, folks, all of those cumulative losses, state-level uh, seats, state-level delegate seats, state Senate seats, governorships, do you understand at the end of the Obama administration, They had placed all their hopes, Joe. If this doesn't make sense, stop me. They had placed all their hopes in this electoral win by Hillary Clinton to rescue and salvage the eight years of Obama that, Joe, even some hardcore Democrats are starting to acknowledge was a complete failure. Yep, gotcha, Dan. We're good. 
You see what I'm saying? They, they, Absolutely. At the end of it, I used to talk about a real clear politics piece that when you measure Democrat unified collective party power at the state, federal, and local level, the end of the eight years of Obama, while unquestionably a legislative success for the Democrats at the executive level, yeah. where they implemented Obamacare, regulations, tax hikes, was, ladies and gentlemen, a cataclysmic, apocalyptic disaster everywhere else. Absolutely. Even the most hardcore of Democrats are starting to understand that now. The fact that they were hanging their hat entirely on a presidential election shows how devoid of any ideas they were. They knew their ideas are not now. Now that they've taken a far left lurch towards the Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, socialism model of government. They know this only applies in Chicago, New York and L.A. That's it. So they know that they had to rely almost exclusively on the popular vote. They were hoping some of the swing states, Florida and Pennsylvania, would break Hillary's way. Matter of fact, they knew they would. And they thought they'd retain executive power, even though they've lost power everywhere else. Folks, the piece eloquently lays out the fact that they lost everything. They had entirely hung their hats on this. Point number two, because point number one and two are easy. They lost that. Okay, we get that. They lost the race. Point number two. Mm-hmm. I think this is obvious, too, but it's worth repeating so you understand the bedrock of their rage, their uncontrollable rage at this point. They never saw this coming, folks. They never saw it coming. They were not emotionally prepared for this. There is no credible political analyst who was predicting an overwhelming electoral college victory for Donald Trump. No, I can't find one. Now, if if you go back on SoundCloud and you read, I, I hate to say this, keep saying it, but it's important because we were actually out in the streets. Giant said to Joe Daly before the election, Trump's going to win. Trump's going to Trump's going to win. If you look at my uh, if you read, excuse me, if you listen to the show the night before the election that uh, you'll you'll see Joe and I had called just about every state because I was Mm -hmm. out there campaigning myself, knocking on doors and talking to people. And I saw this effect. Here's what I saw. I saw it come and a lot of other people didn't. The media lives in a bubble. The media gaslighting narrative was that Trump was going to get smoked and it was over. They had repeated that so often amongst amongst themselves, it seemed almost tautological, right? When I was out there, Joe, you remember me telling you this? I was running for Congress. It's an important story. Mm -hmm. And my campaign manager at the time, I was still doing my podcast, had given me walk lists of what they call like four by four Republican voters. Yeah, you go. Yeah. Republican voters who had voted in the last four general elections in the last four primaries. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I was running in a primary in Florida myself. And obviously, if you're running in a Republican primary in Florida, who can vote? Republicans. And who votes in primaries? Loyal Republicans. So you don't want to waste your time knocking on a lot of doors that are not, in fact, Republicans. Because they can't vote for you in a primary. Now, in a general, yes, they can if they're registered. But in a primary, you only knock on four by four Republican doors. Okay, so um, I get these walk lists and I'm knocking on doors and I'm passing all of these houses, folks, in Cape Coral. I remember this. Whatever someone said to me recently, Cape Coral. I was like, what? Cape Coral. (laughs) I'm knocking on doors. And the way Cape Coral set up, if you've ever been down there, is there's a bunch of canals running through the place. So. You basically go down a street and almost every street there ends in a cul-de-sac. So you have to turn around, walk back out, cross a highway, go to the... It's almost impossible to get ahead of steam going, walking, because you constantly have to get back in your car. Why does that matter? Because I'm knocking on the doors, Joe, and if there's, say, 10 blocks in a cul-de-sac before I got to get back in a car, you don't want to get back in the car without knocking on every door. Right. So I'd be passing all these houses with these Trump signs, and I'd be like, wait, why aren't they on my list? 
So eventually I called the campaign manager. I'm like, hey, um, why are these Trump, why are these homes not on my list? She's like, Dan, they don't vote. So I started knocking on the door of the Trump set. They were not on my list. And I'd say, hey, listen, I'm Dan Bongino running for Congress here. Notice you got a Trump sign out front. Um, you plan on voting in a Republican primary? Hell yeah. Have you voted before? No, not really. Why are you voting now? Because Donald Trump. I like Trump. Folks, <laughs> it was a method to our madness. Listen to the show the night before Election Day. Joe and I called every swing state, yep. and I told that exact same story. How I'm telling you, the vo- and, and the reason this was not showing up in the polls, and it goes to show you the power of the D.C. narrative, Joe, is when these people were being polled by phone, when they were polled, a lot of these pollsters were, pub- were polling who? Likely voters. Yeah. Joe, were these people likely voters? No. No, no. Because they'd never voted before. Right. They weren't, quote, likely voters. But they were likely voters. Matter of fact, they were guaranteed voters. Donald Trump had just pulled them out of the... Uh, Pulled them out of the forest into the open, the electoral forest. They never saw this coming. The DC intelligentsia and the libs never ever saw this coming. They have revol- and and it's the, it's almost like, psychologically the effect on them is twice as damaging. It's like someone telling you the only analogy I can think of is that you're going to win the lottery. That it's written in the bank. The thing's a fix, right? You're going to win the lotto. You're going to get five million. And not only do you find out that the fix isn't in, you're not getting five million, but it was a setup by the cops, and now you're going to jail and you're going to lose everything. Not only did you not <laughs> win five million, you're now finished. Do you understand how psychologically more traumatic that is than just taking a fall? Yeah. It's like, you know, you think you're going to be walked around on a feather bed pillow and someone slams you on the concrete. You're not expecting it. The Democrats were not expecting this. So, number one, they lost everything. Number two, they didn't. Not only think they weren't going to lose everything, they thought they were going to win back the presidency and solidify the Obama agenda. Point number three, though, is critical because it's going to lead into something that happened yesterday with the Republicans and Richard Burr, the clueless senator. uh, He's a Republican senator, by the way. This guy's another one of these swamp rats. Um, These guys are just lost. But point number three is critical. Not only, Joe, did they lose everything, not only did they think they were going to win everything back and lose everything, so they weren't expecting it. But they thought it was the end of the GOP. This is a brilliant piece. Now, he doesn't say this exactly. So for, forgive me for a synopsis of it because he's a very, uh, he's a very, very good and talented writer. And I suggest you read the piece for a full scope of his ideas. But I have an hour to get to you takeaways. And this is one of the takeaways and the key insights from the piece I think is really, really, really good that a lot of other people aren't writing about. It's not just they thought they were going to win, Joe. They thought Trump was so bad Mm -hmm. and it was going to be such an electoral landslide because they were not on the ground talking to real people because they exist in the D.C. bubble. They talk to each other, not actual people like I was doing during the election. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Listen, it wasn't a skill. I wanted to I wanted to win a primary. We didn't win. I was talking to people because I wanted to win. They don't want to win the war of ideas. They want to tell a narrative. The narrative was Trump sucks. They were convinced, the liberal media, rhino, swamp rat, Obama, Clinton elites, that not only were they going to win, but it was the absolute end of the GOP that Trump was so bad that there was going to be a revolution in American politics, 
a liberal revolution that Hillary was going to win so overwhelmingly. There were predictions. Chris Saliza, who I addressed yesterday, the you know clown. Saliza wrote a piece in the Washington Post saying that Trump had a 0% chance of winning. I saved that. That's my favorite headline. I have a screenshot of that I use repeatedly. 0%, not even 0%, which is ridiculous. There are people who actually believe that Donald Trump would win maybe Texas, a couple other uh, you know states in the Midwest, and that was it. And they thought, Joe... That by doing that, the victory would be so overwhelming that it would be the equivalent of a Reagan revolution on the left. I remember watching the day before the election and all the talking heads up there, every one of them were waiting for Hillary to come into office. All the networks. And it, and it speaks to, yeah, the media cocoon. They live. You're right. I all mean, you're them. absolutely right. There was It was a unanimous decision that he was going to lose. So, folks... What they were referring to was a popular mandate to wipe conservatism clean, to wipe this anti-establishment, anti-swamp stuff out. They thought it was the end of the GOP. Now, they were so sure of it. They were so sure all this was going to happen, as as, uh, Hanson points out in the piece, Joe, that they were willing to do things that some of them, I think, are going to be proven to be illegal. Uh, We have Spygate, all this other stuff we got into. And and ladies and gentlemen, this is where I want to go to the next thing. Hmm. They they thought there would be no accountability for this at all. Remember, they right. thought he was going to win. He didn't. They thought he was going to win convincingly. He didn't. They never saw it coming, the loss. Therefore, they expected no accountability for Spygate and everything else they'd been involved in to completely discredit this guy. They thought this was the end of the GOP, that the GOP was going to take a generation to repair themselves. They were ushering in a new era of liberal FDR, like New Deal type politics. Mm -hmm. That all went away. That all went away. Now their rage is they cannot, they simply don't know how to respond. I described to you yesterday, I in I think in pretty decent detail, how the left, how how they're making tactical mistakes they hadn't made in the past. You may not like the left. You may not like liberals. That's fine. I certainly don't like their ideas. But folks, I'm telling you, they're usually tactically smarter than this. They don't realize by doubling and tripling down on Russia, they are playing in to Trump. I'm telling you, Trump is laying a trap for them. He has seen the declassified information. Forgive me, by the way. Yesterday, I kept saying redaction. I meant declassified, but you know, I get lost in shows, so I get a thousand emails on stuff. I, I, you know what I meant. But um, the, Trump has seen the declassified classified information. The reason he is insisting the redactions stay at this point, I'm telling you, is because the Democrats are playing into a trap. This information is a complete loser when it's unredacted for the Democrats. A loser. It is a total loser. They know it. They just can't get away from this because they are so they're so astonished at what happened. It's like they've been you know, they've been knocked out in a prize fight. They get up and 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 the referees raising their hands to see if they, and, and they just can't do it. They can't do it. They can't get their arms back up. Now, why is this important? I wasn't going to talk about this today, but I read this piece and I thought it was great. Because the liberals are losing their minds, ladies and gentlemen. They're losing their minds and they're now venturing into actual violence. There was a a piece out yesterday, a video piece, you may have seen it, about a liberal group attacking a guy. There was a guy in, uh, was it Seattle ripping a MAGA hat off a guy? Uh, these attacks have gotten, have gotten a little bit out of hand. Yeah. Now keep in mind the, how do I say this? I want, I want to make sure I get this out the right way. 
Trump and the rage machine on the left has managed to entirely flip the script on the Democrats. Democrats narrative in the past and the liberal narrative in the past against Republicans is critical. You understand this was always that they were a bunch of, you know, violent, fascist, deranged, lunatics, racist to be afraid of misogynist. They don't like women, uh, minorities, none of that, that they were something to be feared. That was the narrative. What Trump has managed to do by inspiring this sense of liberal rage, which he has, I mean, it's out of control, based on those three factors. They lost everything, never saw it coming, and they thought it'd be the end of the GOP, right? He's inspired this sense of rage, which has led to actual violence, repeated violence, multiple uh, you know, episodes that come out daily. You can see them on Twitter. Some of these videos are horrible. Just wear a MAGA hat. You're almost guaranteed to get attacked in a liberal city now. It flips them. It flips them for real. Totally flips him. The narrative has been flipped on its head. The ubiquitous nature of cell phone cameras, video taking devices, whatever, even the iPads, whatever, the ubiquitous nature has enabled the public to get on video incidents in the past that would have been suppressed by the media. It's important. And now we're starting to see that the actual violence, the violence that's going on out there is not a function of conservative politics. It is a function of liberal politics. It has flipped the script on its head completely. Trump did this. The narrative has been entirely overturned because people are starting to see what liberals are in real life. The radical left has embraced violence as a tactic, but this is what we've been told, by the way. This is what we've been told about Republicans for years. He's entirely flipped the script. Now, a lot of moderates who may have leaned Democrat in the past are like, hey, this isn't my party. Why do you think Trump won Pennsylvania? I get texts from a union friend of mine who's in a union in New York. He shall remain nameless because if I say his name, he'll probably be fired tomorrow. Who's like, oh, my guys love Trump. They're sick of all this leftist nonsense. He has managed to entirely flip the script. Now, ladies and gentlemen, keep in mind. Another piece here, by the way, I saw. William Galston, Wall Street Journal, ties into this. Oh, gosh, I got so much to get to, man. I'm sorry, folks. I just I love this show so much. I don't want to leave anything out. William Galston, Wall Street Journal today. He says the three reasons Trump remains popular, so all ties in amongst the GOP base, near record levels of popularity amongst the GOP base, despite a lot of uh, what, you know, the press would characterize as missteps, some Trump himself has taken back, right? Three reasons. Number one, the economy's moving. The economy's moving rapidly in a positive direction. Number two, he kept his word. You may not like it. I certainly don't like the tariffs, but it's not like he hit his, uh, he hit his disdain for trade policies. All right. The man's kept his word. But number three is important. Again, it's always number three, right? Number three in both pieces. Joe, Trump has shown a disdain for cultural elites that has been brewing in the conservative movement for a long time. Yep. And I took a note up here at the top. Conservatives have been itching for a fight. Libertarians, moderate, and a lot of moderate Republicans too. For a really long time, folks. And Trump gave it to him. Trump did not kowtow to the media. He did not genuflect before them. He did not genuflect in front of academic elites. He basically gave the middle finger to the foreign policy establishment. 
the cultural elites who have been lecturing us forever about how stupid we are, how we're a bunch of, you know, uh, dumb gun toting, Bible toting idiots. Deplorables. Deplorables. Trump has been, we have been itching for a fight and Trump gave it to him. Now, having said that, I want you to understand something. This ties into what happened yesterday. The GOP, ladies and gentlemen, Republicans are not your friend. Listen, I got screwed over yesterday again by a politician. Let me just tell you. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you. Later. You didn't it's tell just, me. Yeah, I, because I'm just it's ridiculous. I don't yeah. know why I put any. My wife has warned me repeatedly to never, ever, ever get involved with politics. And she's right. Like, just don't, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, they're the worst. The absolute worst. The GOP, though, is not your friend. They are not your friend. Stop thinking that. The GOP is not conservatism is your friend. Libertarian conservative ideology is your friend. It is a place you can always retreat knowing you will be on the historical in the in the arc of history. You'll be in the right aligning with party establishmentarians and politicians is the worst thing you can do. They are not your friend uh, article in the uh, in the show notes today. Um Actually, you know, I'm sorry. This one's on the show, notes, but I saw this on uh, um, on Twitter and it's important to bring up Richard Burr. Senator uh, on the Senate Intelligence Committee, which has become a cesspool of anti-Trumpism. You got Rubio over there. You got Burr. You got Mark Warner, the Democrat, who uh, I don't know what he's hiding. Uh, matter of fact, I don't know what any of them hiding. Uh, Burr came out and said, if the American people ever learned anything from its release, talking about the FISA application release, it's that it was there was a. Uh, there was justification to the courts as why the FISA app was approved. Ladies and gentlemen, these guys are not your friends. He's, this is a Republican senator from North Carolina who knows damn well what happened here. Here's what I think is going on. I think these guys the entire time were aware of this operation, too. And in order to cover their tracks, they're the ones that want to give credibility to the FISA app because they know they're going to be exposed, too. So they're desperate to make this story go away. And they think if they provide GOP air cover that Trump voters, because they're the Republicans, are somehow going to give it any more credibility. I'm warning you, they are not your friends. These guys are not your friends. They will sell you out in a heartbeat. Stop thinking, oh, they're Republicans are on our side. They are not on your side. They are on the side of their pockets. They are on the side of power. They are on the side of the swamp. Forget it. Because I love it when these liberal analysts on TV say, but a Republican said it means nothing, means zero to me. Thank you very much. Doesn't mean a damn thing. Burr, Rubio, all these guys. They were on the committee that had a guy who is under a federal investigation, this guy Wolf, for lying about leaked information. He was the guy on the Senate committee, the staffer. Warren, I don't trust any of them. Not one of them. All right. I got a lot more to get to. Um, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. You know I love Brickhouse. They're one of my original sponsors. Brickhouse Nutrition, they're terrific. One of their products, yes, I just talked about Field of Greens today. It is so hot in here today, folks. I'm sorry. If it sounds a little echoey, by the way, we're rebuilding my studio. Yeah, man. Uh, we got some sophisticated stuff coming in here to get better sound quality. So if it sounds a little echoey, it's because the RLX, the sound protection, is not yet up on the wall. I have it like hanging off the desk. Um, also, we didn't have the fan in here. So it's about 672 degrees in here today. But honestly, it's good because it's going to warm me up before my workout. So I'm good. So they get the <laughs> joints going. Get the, what is it, the synovial fluid work. Oh, the synovial fluid. Yeah, there you go. Brickhouse Nutrition, one of my original sponsors, one of their uh, first products they put out on the market was a revolutionary creatine ATP product that will give you two extra gas tanks in the gym. All I can ask before you try this product, BrickhouseNutrition.com slash Dan, 
That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. I'm so sure this product not only works, but works unbelievably well, that I'm asking you to do one of two things. Either take the mirror test with it. So here's what you do. The product's called Foundation. The mirror. <laughs> it's not to test the strength of the mirror by dropping it. Look in the mirror. Take a mental snapshot. I like that. There you go, Joe. Take a mental snapshot of what it looks like. Your, bo- what it, your body looks like in the mirror, right? <laughs> Joe. What your body looks like in a mirror. Give the stuff time to load, five to seven days, right? And then take a look again. You're going to be like, whoa, this stuff is incredible. Or eh, maybe you're not so comfortable with this mental snapshot stuff, looking at yourself in the mirror, whatever. You're an anti-narcissist. <laughs> Go take a piece of paper to the gym, right? Whatever. Do a s- squats, your deadlifts, your chin-ups, whatever it may be. Bench press, push-ups. Take the stuff, foundation, give it about five to seven days to load, and then go back and uh, look at the piece of paper and write down again where you are in the exercises. It's going to, I promise you, you'll be better. You will, this stuff is like having two extra gas tanks in the gym. It will support your energy levels. It, you'll look better. You'll feel better. It is terrific stuff. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Go check out uh, foundation today. Okay. Uh, so something came out, another piece by Byron New York came out yesterday, which is absolutely terrific. Uh, it is outstanding. Byron New York put out a piece in the Washington Examiner. It'll be in the show notes. There's some tantalizing clues, ladies and gentlemen, tantalizing clues being dropped by the Republicans about what's going on here. Now, this is all going to be based on the 30,000 foot premise. So you're clear where I'm going to go with this, that the Democrats, uh, yesterday I talked about the two-step. What they're going to do is they're going to bounce back and forth between explanations and explaining away Carter Page to then explaining away Papadopoulos. And what their goal is, is when the media is talking about Carter Page to talk about Papadopoulos, assuming people have forgotten it. Then when the Papadopoulos stuff gets hot again, they're going to flip back to Carter Page. It's going to be the dance, the two-step. Page, Papadopoulos, Page, Papadopoulos. There's now going to be a three-step. The three-step, from what I'm hearing from some good folks, is the three-step now, once they find out that the Papadopoulos story, because as I discussed on yesterday's show, our most listened to show ever, which we're staying now every day, Joe, which is thanks to you. We appreciate yeah. it. I explained yesterday is they don't want to get into who pushed the information into the Trump team orbit and the questions surrounding Joseph Mifsud, mm-hmm. who was the initial and was the initiator, I should say, of the Papadopoulos, they have dirt on Hillary story. If this guy was working for Western intelligence agencies, this whole case is going to explode. It's already exploded, but it's going to explode at uh, at, at just nuclear levels, right? Now they're starting to realize that that may be a problem, too. So now there's a third track. The third track, Joe, is going to be a verification is not necessary. They're starting to creep this out there now. That Remember what I told you about the Woods procedure? The yeah. Woods procedure is a procedure in the FBI and DOJ to verify information before it goes in front of the FISA court, right? The new line of attack is going to be, well, that's really not necessary, this thorough verification of all the information. Why they're going down that track, I can't give you a conclusive explanation. I can only tell you that my guess here is that they're realizing that whatever fork they take in a road, Carter Page, who was spied on with no verified information, not not good. Papadopoulos, who we prosecuted despite the fact that a potential Western-connected intelligence asset pushed the information into Papadopoulos, meaning he was framed, that's not good either. They know there's no way out. So what are they going to do? Now they're going to push, well, let's go back to Carter Page, but let's say, all right, we may have made a mistake, but verification's really not necessary. We were really worried he was a terrorist or a spy, so we had to just run with it. Folks, they have nowhere to go. Now, How does this tie into the Byron York piece? 
remember that there are people up in the house, Nunes and other folks in these committees. Don't forget this. Mm-hmm. There are folks, Republicans in the House and on the Senate side, too, who have seen the declassified, unredacted documents about why this whole case started. They've seen that now. They haven't seen all of the DOJ or FBI records. That's where this fight is brewing. But the FISA application, they have seen most of what's in it. The redacted copy you've seen obviously has blacked out information, hence the redactions. Mm -hmm. They dropped a hint yesterday. They want disclosed, Joe. And I'm quoting Byron York here. What is on pages 10 to 12 and 17 to 34 of the FISA application. He says, this is York. That is certainly a tantalizing clue dropped by the House Intel members, but it's not clear what it means. Comparing the relevant sections from the initial FISA application in October and the third renewal in June, uh, much appears the same. But in pages 10 to 12 that they, the Republicans want redacted mm-hmm. of the third renewal, there's a slightly different headline. The Russian government's coordinated effort to influence the 2016 U.S. presidential election, plus a footnote seven lines long that was not in the original. Folks, the Republicans know something. They have seen these redactions. Now, based on some research, I can't tell you because I've not seen the unredacted copy of the document. I can only tell you based on research surrounding the case and some information I've been working hard to develop that it may disclose those footnotes may disclose uh, may disclose some connections for information streams again that were not related to formal intelligence channels. In other words, the theory from the start that we've been operating on is that these this case was not developed through standard protocol. Um, if, if you develop intelligence in a five eyes country and intelligence cooperated with the United States against Donald Trump, you pass that information to your domestic intelligence agency. It passes it to the Central Intelligence Agency. They vet the information before it makes it to the president's desk. That is not the way this case worked. May I suggest to you that the redactions describe other channels other channels of information that developed outside of those standard channels. Are we clear on this? this is, I gotta. I want to make clear what we're talking about. Standard way to do this is intel agency to intel agency. The vet, vet the information, check the information before it makes it to the president. The only reason you would go outside of that network with intelligence, specifically against a political candidate in the United States, is because you want to launder the information without vetting it. You want to clean it to make it seem legitimate. We already know based on public admissions by State Department officials on the Obama administration that they used the State Department. We already know that there were people working for the Clinton team that met with people on the State Department. May I suggest that this describes an alternate information channel outside of the standard modus operandi here that is going to expose that this whole thing was an information laundering operation. The Republicans know something here, folks. They know something. Now, making it even worse, Chuck Ross, great piece in the Daily Caller. Be up at the show notes today. One of the, all of the sources of information here that we know are connected. All of the sources, the people who have contacted the Trump campaign were connected to either the FBI, intelligence agencies that were not friends, or the Clinton team. 
big uh, big news yesterday from Chuck Ross, who describes uh, the uh, Sergey Milian. Sergey Milian, according to multiple press reports, is one of the originators of the Trump was being was being blackmailed or uh, dealing with the Russians because they had compromising sexual material on him on tape. Multiple people have reported this. It's in the Chuck Ross piece. You can read it yourself. Sergey Milian is alleged to have been source D in the dossier for this information. Just to be clear here, the guy in the dossier known as source D in the dossier that alleges that Trump was working with the Russians because they had compromising material, a stunning allegation, stunning. Oh, as it turns out, he was described by Fusion GPS and Glenn Simpson the people hired to gin up uh, information on the Trump team as, quote, a big talker? Wait, what? So one of your major sources of information for a dossier we now know you use to spy on American citizens, one of your bedrock sources in the dossier is described as, quote, a big talker? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, is right. This gets this from the Chuck Ross piece. Oh, oh, it gets better. And I quote, Millian did have one known link to the Trump campaign. In late July 2016, he reached out to George Papadopoulos. Oh, did he? Oh, did he? Wow. The Trump advisor who has pled guilty to lying to the FBI about the timing of his contacts with an alleged Russian agent. Sources close to Papadopoulos have told the Daily Caller that he met Milian for the first time several days after Milian reached out to the campaign aide on LinkedIn and offered him $30,000 a month for a business deal that would require him to remain in the Trump orbit. Whoa. Oh, yeah. In my best Barry White voice. Folks, I'm asking, you know, reasonable folks. I know a lot of you are listening to this. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Whether it's Stefan Halper approaching the Trump orbit, emailing Carter Page, discussing information with uh, Carter Page and trying to get while he's uh, simultaneously working for U.S. intelligence assets to gather information on the Trump team, according to multiple reports, whether it's Milian, who was used as a source in the dossier and is alleged by multiple reports who have been the source of the they have a tape on Trump. They have a sex tape on Trump. Milian offers him $30,000 a month as long as he stays on the Trump team. Who's Millian working for? Millian, who Fusion GPS, hired by Hillary, hired by Hillary to gin up fake Trump information, right? Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS describes Millian himself as, quote, a big talker. Now we find out in the Chuck Ross piece, too, that Christopher Steele described the information he had, the credibility of it as, oh, 50-50. Folks, do the hidden footnotes and the redactions in the FISA application, are they starting to make sense?
the Democrats are locked in a corner. They, do you remember the show I did about when I went to business school? I I enjoyed it. I had a good time. They had this uh, class, and it, I remember this one class I was taking, and um, I was reading about how businesses take a bath sometimes. How when you have a bunch of negative news in one quarterly filing, you just put it out all at once. Just get it. Take a bath. Get it all out. Let the stock price take a hit. We'll move on. Democrats, you got to take a bath. You have got to take a bath. There is nowhere. I'm not talking about your hygiene. You have got to take a bath on this issue. You are caught. You are cold busted. You organized an operation to spy on a on, on what I believe to be a not guilty. I'm not saying innocent. A not guilty American citizen. You set up another one in Papadopoulos. Multiple, multiple approaches to this guy by anyone and their mother trying to get this guy to talk about dirt on Hillary. You then arrested and prosecuted him for false statements to the FBI after you set him up. Take a bath. These redactions, when they are declassified and unredacted, are not going to help you. Guys, ladies, if they were, why would the Republicans up on the Hill who've seen them be asking them to be unredacted? Guys, does this make any sense? Friends, supporters, liberals, anyone listening, does that make any sense to you? The argument that the liberals are putting out there because they refuse to take a bath on their new embrace of police state tyranny. The argument they're putting out there that we will be saved by the redactions, which when they're unredacted are going to show we had all this information. We should have been spying on Carter Page. Do you really believe that given the fact that the people calling for the document to be unredacted are Republicans? Not only are they calling, Joe, for unredactions and declassification they're citing specific sections of the document what does that tell you if you have even a modicum a scintilla of common sense it tells you that they're hiding something the democrats why the heck do you think the republicans would be calling for this folks i'm telling you what they're hiding they are hiding a deep bed of source networks based on credible information and reporting of people who reached out to the Trump team for the sole purpose of planting and then removing information later about Hillary, Hillary's emails or the DNC to set them up as being integral players in a Russian collusion narrative between Trump and the Russians over this DNC emails. Do you get what I'm telling you? The whole bedrock case is Trump colluded with the Russians Mm -hmm. and the Russians hacked the DNC. Mm Mm-hmm. In order for that to happen, they needed they need a fall guy. The fall guy was Papadopoulos. That's why all of these people, according to reports, Million, Downer. We have uh, uh, the Aguilaros approaching the Trump people. All of these people approaching Papadopoulos and Page, they need a fall guy. They need to push information. We got dirt on Hillary. We got dirt on Hillary. To later pull out, to get them to say it later, to prove that they had dirt on Hillary. The Trump team, that is. But you can't prove they had dirt on Hillary because they didn't. You have to push the information in. The push is the scam. The push is the scheme. The push is the potential crime. Depending on what happened here. Folks, this is a scam. The redactions, when unredacted, are not going to save them. 
If they did, it would not be Republicans pushing for it. And the footnotes are going to be critical. That's why I think they want them declassified, because it's the footnotes in the document where we've seen from reading the FISA application and the renewals, Joe, it's the footnotes where they try to bury information. In other words, instead of putting in the FISA application that this information was paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign to attack Donald Trump, they put in a footnote, source one paid a law firm against candidate one and candidate two. And why not just say Hillary's team did it? Oh, we didn't know that. You see how it goes back to step three now? No, yeah. no. You see how it, the, the step three is that we didn't verify it. Now, step three will be, yeah. well, we didn't know Hillary paid for it because we didn't do our homework. You're the FBI. That's your job to vet the source. Go back to step three. Oh, it's not really our job. We're OK. You see the three step now, the two step, the three step, the two step, the three step. It's the, the narrative's going to change every day because they have nowhere to go. They're in the corner. They're taking body blows and they don't know what to, they can't get out. They cannot get out. There is no, there will be no saving you. Liberals married to this collusion thing. There is no saving you. Eventually, the truth is going to come out in total. And when it comes out, it is going to be even worse than it is now. It is this. Listen to me. This is never going to get better for you. Ever. Ever. You are finished. I spend all my time on this case lately and most of the show because you are totally finished. You spied. You're police state tyrants. You're busted. You can spin this to a Papadopoulos. Well, it was Paige. Now we didn't have to verify. There's nothing that's going to save you here. All right. We got a new uh, sponsor today. Last one. And we I got a couple more stories I want to get to. I also want to get to this one last thing about flip the script, which I missed right. before. Don't let me forget that, Joe. The flip. We'll flip you. We'll flip you for real. This is important. All right. Indochino custom menswear. Indochino. Indochino. Love these guys. Listen. Getting suits is tough. We all know that. I've had a really tough time traveling around with the Secret Service. I, it was a little bit easier for me because I found a custom tailor uh, in Korea. Uh, I believe it was over in Itaewon, that uh, area over there. And he was great. But it's tough. You got to ship it over. So, you know, if it's if it's wrong, there's really no good way to get it back. Getting a custom suit is tough. You all look better in custom suits. It's tough with this off-the-rack stuff, especially when you're me, where you have like a 10-inch disparity between your shoulders and your waist. It doesn't work. You look like you're wearing a poncho. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear company and has been featured in major publications, including GQ, Forbes, and Fast Company. You want to look sharp, fellas? Come on. You got to look sharp. They make suits and shirts made to your exact measurements. Exact. You're not wearing a pirate shirt from Jerry Seinfeld. You're not wearing a poncho. You're not wearing an umbrella. They make suits and shirts made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and the option to personalize all the details, including your lapel, the lining, and the monogram. We love the monograms. I have those on my sleeves. Here's how it works. Visit a showroom or shop at line at Indochino.com. Pick your fabric. Choose your customization. Submit your measurements. Wait for your custom suit to arrive in just weeks, and you're looking sharp. You're ready for TV time. Yeah, babe, as Joe would say. Ready for TV time. Joe, we got to get you an Indochino. Oh, I'd look great. I'm on that. This week, my listeners can get any 
Premium Indochino suit for just $379. Oh. Come on, where are you going to Come on, guys, ladies. Where are you going to get that? Where are you? Come on. Go to Indochino.com. Enter Bongino, my last name, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, at checkout. That is Indochino.com. Enter Bongino at checkout. Get a lovely, beautiful, sharp-looking, measured-to-you suit for $379. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit, plus shipping is free. Gratis, free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Bongino, for any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. That's an incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack ever would. Okay. Um, I missed something before. Usually I'll edit the shows, but it's too late because I'm way too far in. <laughs> I had it starred too, which is like, damn, how did I miss that? Because I have so much stuff I want to get out to today. <laughs> Another important point about Trump flipping the script. And when I was talking about flipping the script before, I mean the rage he's generated because of those three factors. The Dems have lost everything. They never saw it coming and they thought it would be the end of the GOP and it's been a it's been a re- renaissance for the conservative movement. Bingo. The court system, tax cuts, everything Trump's actually done, deregulation. It's generated rage because the left has nowhere to go. Um they bedrock themselves in government power. The leftist ideology is is anchored in government power. Conservative ideology is anchored in spiritual power. Than the individual. I'm not trying to be your preacher. I'm not. That's not my goal. I'm, I'm a sinner, folks. I'm just trying to tell you that conservatives believe in rights by God, big R rights, as I call them. That's a bedrock of conservative ideology. They don't believe in the power of the state. They believe the state is there only to ensure rights you've been granted by a higher power. Is that? That's clear. You need to be clear in understanding this. Conservatives are bedrock in family, spirituality, community, church, individual rights, subsidiarity. When they lose political power, they have something to fall back on. They fall back on an ideology they know is pure. I've been given these rights by God, no matter how bad the Obama presidency is. These are my big R rights, and I'm going to fight for them with my last breath if I have to. Liberals don't have that. I'm not talking about Democrats here. A lot of Democrats are very spiritual people. I'm talking about the radical left. The radical left has none of that. Their God is the golden calf of government. Their God is political power. When they lose political power and they lost everything, they have they have the lowest levels of power they've seen since 1928 based on these these uh, the amount of political power they've lost at the state, federal, and local level. They have nothing to fall back on. There is no... There's no pillow when they hit the floor. They hit the concrete and their rage is that they get up, damn it, damn it, you know, screaming and yelling that they stubbed their toe. This rage is an extinction burst because they have nothing. There's nothing there. There's nothing left to fight for. They've lost everything. They see Donald Trump's approval ratings not going down. They see Republican approval of Obama at, uh, excuse me, at, uh, at Trump at historic levels. Republican disapproval of Democrat policies at historic levels. They have nowhere to go. So it results in this rage and this rage is manifesting itself in real world violence. Why does this matter? Because, folks, I've done a lot of homework on you may you may wonder. I, I know you may, a lot of you maybe you've seen me on TV or cable or, you know, you watch my NRA TV show. Um, and maybe the halo effect kicks in. I don't know if it's because of my square jaw or my 200 now 35 pounds. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people are surprised that I, I, I don't know why, but I get a lot of emails on this. It's the only reason I bring this up. But I, I, I see some surprise when I read their emails that I am a firm, staunch, near almost absolute believer 
in nonviolence. I, again, I don't know why that surprises huh. people, but it does. I, I, and Joe, I, I'm, I'm only basing this on a voluminous amount of emails I get on this topic. Yeah. Some people are actually mad at me. They, they, you know, they, they think, well, we, we got to fight back. No, we should always defend ourselves. God yeah. forbid someone attacks yeah. you. But I am an absolute believer in in nonviolence. And again, I don't know why that surprises people. But I, I think I owe you an explanation. I want to show you why this is backfiring on the left. The left, the radical left is now embracing violence as a tactic. When you actually research, Joe, the political effectiveness of violent versus nonviolent movements, mm-hmm. And by the way, I, 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 obviously there's a moral and ethical component to it that I've already discussed on other shows. I'm that let's let's I'm just leaving that out now. It's there, but I don't you know I'm not I'm, this isn't going to be a preachy show. On a, and from a pure tactical perspective, I'm trying to tell you why the left's embrace of violence can't possibly win. That's where we're going with this. When you actually do your homework on this, you see you have a far greater chance of of succeeding in long-lasting political change by embracing nonviolence as a movement. The evidence is crystal clear, folks. And some of the, there's a number of different hypotheses out there as to why this is. But the two that creep up in a lot of the research on this is number one is an obvious one. People have a natural fear of violence. We're not dogs. Dogs are dogs are great. They're the most they'll attack and they have no fear. You would, you would, a dog attacks you and you're the owner. A dog will go at a bear. No problem at all. Human beings are sentient, I think, therefore I am beings. And they can think out the consequences of their actions. And there's a natural fear of violence because they understand that if I do this, then. Dogs don't say that. Do you understand that? This is important. This is it's not a dumb point here I'm trying to make just for this. Yeah. Dogs don't say, if I attack, this bear could kill right. me. Dogs just say they are fiercely loyal and fear to them is not a natural response. I mean, they, dogs get, are, are capable of fear, but they can't think things through in the future of their actions. So they attack in defense. Human beings will attack, but there's a fear of like, well, what if he attacks back? Is he going to choke me? Is he going to punch mm-hmm. me? Is he going to pull out a gun? There's a natural fear of violence. That's one of the main reasons, obviously, violence as a political movement is never going to work for long-lasting change, thankfully. Secondly, though, when you look at the research on this topic, this is why the left was, is going to, this is all they have now, the radical left, is this violence. Violent movements are less likely to provoke a government response as well. Governments over time, even in tyrannical regimes, want to appear that they're on the moral arc of history on the right side or else they lose popular support and you have a revolt. Violent political action tends to provoke a violent government response as well, which even people you know work for the are not comfortable with that. People are not, thankfully, naturally comfortable with violence. I'm telling you this because this is an important point. And when Victor Davis Hanson brings up in his, in his piece today that there's no natural limit to the rage on the left, and I'm telling you they've been they've been actively now, there are multiple incidents of violence. This is a big, big loser for them. People have a natural fear of violence. Violence will provoke a, a government response of violence. This is This will not work. This is not a sustainable political movement for them. And I left that out before. Folks, I, I, you know, I... I, I stuff school because it makes you sound like you're trying to sound smarter than everyone i'm not i just when i was in my graduate program for neuropsychology and behavioral learning i i was very i became almost enthralled with the inner workings of the human mind when i read things like this which are sometimes sociological sometimes psychological 
I'm fascinated by it. Is it okay? Violent movements don't work generally. Well, why? Why? What's the reason? And it's easily explainable when you do it, it just a cursory analysis of it. The left has resorted to a tactic that can't possibly work and is not sustainable over time. And it's even worse now that they can be exposed on cell phones. Cell phones and cell phone video. Right. Remember, in the past, it could have been hidden. Yeah. It can't be hidden now. There are middle class America, suburbia, is never going to be comfortable with people attacking people for wearing a hat and beating the snot out of them. They're not. If you think this is a sustainable political movement, you're out of your mind. Okay. Um, couple more things here. New York. Gosh, my just born in New York and I love the people in New York, but what is going on in New York? My gosh, the place is out of control, Joe. Mm. Story in the Daily News, New York Daily News, far left rag, but worth putting in. Why they reported on this, I'm astonished. They usually, you know, try to do better uh, air cover for Democrats. It'll be in the show notes today. Um, Andrew Cuomo, the governor, is pardoned. He has these conditional pardons so people can vote again, which he's been issuing. Joe, some of them are brutal sex offenders and sexual predators. <laughs> this is not a joke. No. It, uh, this is read the uh, just uh, there's not there's nothing more to add other than how again the, the 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 effort to quote own the cons own the conservatives has led the left to move so far away from reason in the middle of the political aisle into not just radicalism but radical radicalism that this is the kind of stuff now they're actually on the record doing conditional pardons for sexual predators read the piece it's in the daily news it's not a it's a far left uh, rag. Another piece about New York. Again, because I love New York. I grew up there, and it's just sad to see what's what's happened there. Even relatively conservative places, formerly in New York, like Queens and Staten Island, or even seeing Democrats uh, take over. There's an article in Barron's. It was sent to me by a listener. Thank you. I read a lot of the stuff you send my way. Do me a favor, though. If you send me an article. Um, describe what it is, just the sentence or so, because sometimes people send me links. Read this. And I, what does that mean? I mean, read it. Just give me a sentence on what it, why it's interesting. I'm more apt to pick it up for the show. Um, not to be picky, but, you know, I get probably 500 emails a day. I want to, you know, I want, I try to get to a little context, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A little context. Thank mm-hmm. you, Joe. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. A uh, good article from Barron's being the show notes again today. How New York now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to go, you better go quick. Cause this is only going to get worse. Joe, how New York residents who are looking to leave because of the high tax, unfriendly business-like atmosphere yeah. in New York, some of them are staying put because now they're finding out from their accountants and their lawyers that New York is sending like investigative teams out there to make sure if you upend your residence, your your claimed residence, yeah. in other words, you may not sell your condo in New York, your apartment, but you now say claim your residence in Florida, that they're sending investigators to talk to doormen. They're subpoenaing your credit card receipts to see how much time you spend in New York based on where you spend your money, right? <sighs> Folks. I'm warning you, if you're going to get out, get out now. This is only going to get worse. Next thing you know, there's going to be video surveillance. Like, Joe Armacost spent spent a, a 200 days in Maryland. He is not a Florida resident. <laughs> I mean, this, is that, this is what's next. Folks, this is what's next. They cannot keep people in their states. There is a mass exodus out of liberal states into places like Florida and Texas. If you're going to go, go soon. Because this is going to get worse. 
sending investigative teams to check your residence? Is this unbelievable? You want out of this state residency-wise so bad, you're forced to stay because you're afraid the tax investigator's going to come and hunt you down? Oh, I got to go. My shoes. Where are my shoes? Oh. Are they in New York? Oh. <laughs> Someone sent me some Saul stuff for the jerky boys. So I think they grew up in Middle Village, those guys, the characters. But this is insane. Your policies are so bad. People are fleeing in such mass that in order to hold on to them, at least officially through the residency, in order to stick, in order to keep them in your state, you have to send out investigative teams to basically threaten them. Oh, my gosh. This is crazy wow. stuff, folks. It does, really, it doesn't get any worse than that. All right. Hey, thank you for the last two days of uh, downloads, listenerships, and subscriptions to the show. It was our best two days ever. Uh, We are just exploding. Thanks exclusively to you. Um, I deeply appreciate it. Please subscribe on iTunes. Follow on iHeart. On SoundCloud, it's the subscriptions. It is free. It is of no cost to you at all. Um, The subscriptions matter to us a lot. It's the subscribe uh, button that actually moves us up the chart. So that would matter a lot to us. Uh, Please, I really appreciate it. It helps us uh, get our message out there. Thanks so much. And go check out the show. I'll say some great pieces in there. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at dbongino.